Hello, and welcome to Pull the Open, a Doctor Who podcast on the Grand Geek Gathering. Today, we will be discussing Kerbalam, written by Pete McTeague and directed by Jennifer Perrott. And joining me to discuss this latest episode of Doctor Who is Etsy goddess Renee Thielman. Yay! <laughs> Head of the Real Time Lords of Orange County, Amanda Blackburn. Hello. And LA Beast comedian and creator, not co-creator, and host of Port Center, Ben Padden. <laughs> hello, hello, rubbish robots from the dawn of time. <laughs> so yes, we've got another. We've got our first robot, and uh, well, I guess now I guess we have a second social parody, Kerblam. And uh, I know you guys got thoughts, so I'm gonna just open up to you. Yes. What did you think of the episode? Hey, uh, so you know that meme of uh, Gordon Ramsay where the caption says, finally some good fucking food? <laughs> I don't, but it sounds very Gordon Ramsay. It's, it's that, but it's only that. But what This episode is like, uh, it's an oasis in a desert. It's the first episode since <laughs> since the season premiere that has felt like Doctor Who, but it's also an oasis of toilet water because there is so much wrong. This is like, I've been saying this is like a forgettable season four episode of Doctor Who. This is, this is fires of Pompeii. This is planet of the Ude, but it's, it's it, because it's in this season and it's the first episode in a long time uh, that has felt like Doctor Who. It sticks out as <laughs> kind of desperate, uh, we desperately need good Doctor or Doctor Who that not good. Good's maybe the wrong word, but we need Doctor Who that feels like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And so even bad Doctor Who is is better than I think what we've gotten a lot of this season. Uh, well, I must I must love toilet water because <laughs> I actually really enjoyed the episode. Um, I felt like I do agree. I feel like this is one of the one of the episodes that feels the most like Doctor Who this season, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's the first. I, I think we've seen the Doctor in various different situations now this season, a historic, a couple of historicals, you know, dealing with some really cool monsters, space monsters, uh, you know, but I think this episode for me was enjoyable for a lot of different reasons. It felt... I don't know. I keep going back to the fifth doctor. There's something about the season that really feels like the fifth doctor. To yeah, me. I absolutely agree. It's, it's felt very, very much like Peter Davison's first season for better oh, wow. or for worse, for better or for worse. I, and for me, it felt like, I don't know. It was like, everybody kind of got to stretch their legs a little bit. They weren't running as one big group anymore. Now they were split <laughs> up and they each had to, you know, use their own strengths and weaknesses to try to, to solve the puzzle. And I, I enjoyed it for that. Plus the doctor got to do a good bit of, I'll tell you what's on my mind. You people, yeah. you know, the doctor got to, she got to have a speech up for herself and be heroic for, yeah. Yeah. Yes, she got to have a speech. Although I had, uh, there were two speeches. I have definite thoughts about the second speech. I got a very Sylvester McCoy vibe off of it, probably because uh, mm. Sylvester McCoy did lean into the the social commentary that was sometimes a tad heavy-handed, which I also thought with Kerblam. Um, I don't know. For me, it was sort of like, you know how they're trying to teach AI to write things? This seemed like an AI that was taught to write Doctor Who and almost <laughs> got it right. Like, you know, it's not the ones we have now that, that are just spewing gibberish. It's like, it's almost there. It knows all the different pieces, but it doesn't quite figure out how they're all supposed to fit together. I don't know. Renee, what did you think? 
Um, I didn't really like it that much. I felt uh-huh. like it had. I know I had there. I had to be difficult. Um, That's okay. I just I felt like it had all of the little pieces and it had all these great little characters and little side things and stuff. But overall, it was just. I don't. I don't want to call it dumb, but it just. The story just had too many things where it was like everybody died. Everybody that you thought was possibly dead that usually one of them maybe survives, you know, they all were dead and goo. And, you know, it just was very just like, okay, so everybody died except the two people that you thought might be bad guys. But it ended up not. Mm. I don't know. It just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I have one criticism of the whole season, it's just. Like, there's always little good nuggets here and there, but it just seems like nobody's stepping back and saying, hey, does this whole thing work as a story, as one thing, you know? Mm. Like, and, and so, like, the, the I always kind of like it when I watch it, but the more I think about it, the more problems I find with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I also think that last... Oh, sorry, Ben. That oh, no, no, please, by all means, go for it. Last week was... I know you didn't like it super a ton, Andy, but... I loved last week's and I thought it was so um, poignant and heartfelt and just really that I think it had set like a high bar for the feelings for me. And so this one was just like, you know, water after really good hot chocolate. Wow. I don't, what? Yeah. But okay. (laughs) The problem that I'm having this season though, is that I don't mind these stories. I mean, they may be a little silly and kind of more fluff than actual substance. And I think following several seasons of Moffat, where his stories are so weighty that some of this feels kind of like bubblegum. But, um, you know, the thing thing that I have noticed with this season where it feels like it's just not anchored, you know, and maybe that's just Mm. because there's no arc. You know, there, there's nothing holding it together. So we've got all these disparate stories of the Doctor and her faithful companions traveling through time and space and nothing that's kind of holding it together, making it feel like Doctor Who, where there was always some sort of underlying story about, oh, what's happening at Gallifrey and who's the big bad this season arc and what's going on with Missy. And now we don't have any of that, you know, so. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's my big complaints this season have been that I here's the thing I I loved the first episode I loved Rosa I loved Demons of the Punjab I think these are really good episodes I thought uh the the Rosa and Demons of the Punjab remind me of episodes like Vincent and the Doctor that are really Mm kind of weighty and important they're important episodes the problem is this season has been incredibly bleak it is a bleak show right now and even the quote-unquote fun episodes like the Sranga conundrum that i barely remember the name of um they haven't been able to quite carry their weight the reason why um by why kablam exclamation point stands out is because it's the first episode this season that really adheres to the what we expect of an episode of doctor who what we've what we came to expect during the 10th and 11th uh and to a certain extent the 12th doctor's uh, times on the show, but there's a, a lot of the pieces don't quite fit. I, I like the idea of yeah. first and foremost, this is a who done it. This is a what's happening, yeah. how's it happened. So it it kind of it flips a lot of expectations on on its head, and that's great. That's fantastic. But the um, as a result of that, you have an episode which is incredibly forgiving of um, of a 
of basically of Amazon, of the way Amazon does business. Yeah. You have um, you have a company that is notoriously bad to its workers that isn't interested in making sure they have, for example, you know, adequate bathroom breaks and um, you know paid vacation and and medical benefits. Um, and you've made that system the hero of the story and that's a huge huge problem especially when the villain of the piece which again spoiler alert, i don't know why you'd be listening to this without having seen the episode but the villain yeah. of the piece is one disgruntled worker who wants to kill a bunch of people like yeah. that's that is absolutely the wrong message especially with the stuff about amazon that has been in the news recently about their headquarters and all yeah. of the, a lot of the issues with amazon workers it it just it sends out it sent out the wrong message to me and for the doctor as well to not only be um uh defending the system as it is called so many times in the episode but is kind of complicit yeah. in um in the, the the poor treatment of of the workers like it just it, it uh, the, the right ingredients were in this episode, but like sticking, uh, you know, uncooked spaghetti and an unopened jar of ragu in a pan without turning it on doesn't give you spaghetti bolognese. Like that's what yeah. that's what I felt like with this episode. Well, it, and it also oh, real quick, sorry. It, the only the other problem I had with no it is it it didn't it didn't feel particularly original to me either. It reminded me a lot of and I forget the name of the episode, but with the ood. Planet of the Ood, where they go to the planet and there's all these poor drone worker Oods that are being taken advantage of by the big bad company. And yeah. it felt so much like that to me that it didn't feel particularly original. I still had fun. It, it, it was still fun to me in some areas, but yeah, yeah. I, what was I don't remember... for me. Oh, if I could. What's frustrating for me? It was it was an easy fix too. Like one, they could have like made the parody of Amazon, like, not quite so toothless. Like, it, it made it seem like they were really going to stick it to Amazon. And Amazon, you know, this place seems maybe as bad as Dunder Mifflin, but not much worse, you know? And they could have had, what's his name, Charlie, been the bad guy, but they just need Doctor to say, like, what you're doing is wrong. I understand why you're angry at these guys, but this isn't the way to fix it. But I think she said, tried to, though. Didn't well, she try? Not really, said, no. Like... Yeah. I actually wrote this down. She said, the system isn't the problem. It's how people use the system, people like you, which seems the exact opposite of yeah. the episode I watched. The, the whole systems, problem was people couldn't do anything. You know, the yeah, system systems are established by people that the system mm -hmm. that Amazon has right now that does not take into consideration um, the, the humanity of its employees. That's a system that people set up. Kablam right. is a system that people set up. And I liked, here's the thing, the idea of the system being what called for help from the doctor. I actually, that's, that's clever. I like that idea, but the, but, but the notion that the system is not at fault, it's absolutely this one, like, I don't like that. There's a lot yeah. wrong in an episode yeah. where the conclusion is the company saying, we're going to, you know, we're going to shut down for a month and give everyone two weeks paid vacation. Okay. What about the other three weeks of that month? Like, what are you, yeah. what are you doing? And the doctor's okay with this. And then also then to say, you know, uh, the, the head of people, I forget her name, but she's, says oh i'll make sure that we're going to be a people-led organization from now on hang on oh, yeah, people in this story people were the problem and this is a company yeah. that you've actively watched kind of oppress its employees and you're leaving like okay that's cool yeah be a people-led like well, there's so well, much structurally wrong with this it was just well, i'm really i'm also really curious to know how this played in the uk because yeah. the united states has a completely 
on its head different attitude towards working than the UK does or mm. Europe as a whole. We yeah. live to work. They work to live. Yeah. You know, so how did this, you know, oh, we're going to give our workers two weeks vacation. And like, you guys get like eight weeks vacation in we the get, UK. My last job, <laughs> we had 20 days of paid vacation. It's but ridiculous. Last job I had yeah. And we, and we have a hard time calling off sick. So, yeah. you know, for us, for me watching that, I'm like, oh, they get two weeks off. That sounds delightful. I wonder yeah. how in the UK they were like, what? Oh, there is, there's a brilliant, there's a script editor in the UK called uh, Andrew L. Who I might have mentioned on this podcast before. He was a script editor for Red Dwarf, for the IT crowd, for a few other shows. Really, really smart guy. And every week he does this thing called Tweet Notes. You can check his his Twitter account is uh, uh, LRDent, E L L A R D E N T. So every week he does these tweet notes for episodes of Doctor Who. And he had a lot of the same gripes that I did. Like it's for for an episode that could have been. Doctor Who's done satire before. It's done corporate yeah. satire. It did it in Planet of the Ood. It did it. It's it's done satire in things like the Happiness Sunday. Patrol and the Great Greatest yeah, Show yeah. in the Galaxy, like all that stuff. It's for it to for it to now be like, oh, but Amazon are the good guy. Like that's yeah, that's a fundamental flaw. Like the 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 town I come from in England has an Amazon warehouse. I know people who I went to school with who are either working in that warehouse or have family members or children now who work in that warehouse. And it's a sh- it's a shitty place to be working. It's not a good place to work. So even in the UK, I think that. You know, and again, again, looking at Andrew's notes, like this is not received well. This is bad, and it's yeah. it's cynical as well. Like the the biggest problem I had with Chris Chibnall's uh, announced when he was first announced as as the next showrunner. This was God two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My big fear was he's a very cynical writer. Look at not just Broadchurch, but look at the writing he did for Life on Mars, for Torchwood, mm-hmm. his Doctor Who stuff, things like Forty Two, um, The Power of Three. Uh, dinosaurs, even dinosaurs on a spaceship. Not just Solomon, but the way that Doctor deals with with Solomon yeah. the Trader, like. Chris Chibnall is a very cynical man. So even in episodes like this episode is called Kablam, there's an exclamation point in the title, and it's still set in a dystopian future where only 10% of the work of you know human beings on this planet are working. There's a 90% unemployment rate. Like it's a deeply his vision of Doctor Who is is deeply cynical in a way that yeah. seems counter to the ideology of the show. So Ben, real quick. So would you have been happier if the doctor, when upon getting the note or seeing the Kablam robot, was a little bit more like, "Oh, it's the Kablam robot" or something? You know, not not to have been as excited about it and childlike glee about it. I don't have a problem with that because I think that we are all susceptible to marketing. We're, yeah. I, I went to McDonald's for dinner today, and I know McDonald's workers are underpaid. I know they don't have health benefits. I know all that stuff, and I still I still went and got myself a quarter pounder with cheese today because I'm a garbage man who I see the yellow I see those those yellow arches and I think mmm French fry yes please because I'm I'm a bad person. We're all of us susceptible to marketing and i have no reason to think that the doctor would not also have been like oh the kablam man yeah marketing woo synergy like that that's a very human trait plus jody plays childlike excitement very well she's so yeah, good yeah. at it and there's no reason to believe that there would be something wrong at kablam unless she had been there before which she hadn't like discovering that there's something wrong again that's a very doctor who thing of there's something you know, there's something sinister about this organization. And I get I get the 
the the appeal of let's take that idea and turn it on its head the system is not the the bad guy the system is what called for help but yeah. the optics of that are in the 20 in the year of our lord 2018 there is a tangerine in the white house and jeff bezos has enough <laughs> money to fix the flint water crisis and still have enough to buy himself a solid gold yacht like the, it blows my mind that no one at any point during the production of this episode went, hang on, stop a minute. How does this look? That's, yeah. that's No one asked that question at any point during production. So I'm, I have this dichotomy, and I know, I know that other people want to talk, and I'm sorry, I yes. ramble, I ramble, I know, I'm sorry. I have this dichotomy of enjoying the fact that this is what Doctor Who is supposed to feel like, um, c- conflicting with the ideology of this episode is so counter to anything Doc, that 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 is, or should be Doctor Who. It's upsetting. Yeah. Well, plus we've learned when the corporation gets caught doing something bad and says, "Hey, don't worry, we're going to fix it." You know, how many times has Facebook done that? Like yeah. eight. You know, like yeah, and counting. I, I, yeah, yeah. And I really wanted them to go like be the sunmakers, like like show Amazon or Kerblam, sorry, as a really Kerblamazon. Let's just call them that. Yeah, <laughs> but it actually seemed like it wasn't a great place to work, but it wasn't an awful place to work. No, it was just sort of it was the mushy middle. You know, I, yeah. I keep wanting the show to make braver choices. But if you did that, then I guess Charlie couldn't have been the only villain. I mean, Charlie is- could have been the villain, but you just have to say, like, the problem is also with the system. You need humans mm-hmm. in charge of the system. Yeah. You know, that is absolutely the best way to put it, that, that you have very succinctly um uh, articulated my problems with this season so far is I want Chris Chibnall to be braver. He's not yeah. being bold enough. He's not being brave enough. And it's it's disappointing because the first female Doctor, that's a big deal. I love, again, yeah. I want to stress, Jodie's performance is fantastic. I love these companions, but Chris Chibnall's writing and his stewardship of the show is not doing her justice. And my big yeah. fear is that Right now, the rumours, and I don't put a lot of stock in rumours, but the rumours are that Jodie and Chris might be leaving after season 12. I've because... heard that. I don't I don't know. They do this every time there's a new Doctor. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm going to yeah. hold off on that for now. I, I, I Look, I, regardless of all of this, their ratings are sky high right now. They've yeah. got a completely renewed, re-energized fan base. Yeah. They just came out and made the announcement that there were all these rumours that it was going to be until 2020 until we got a new season no they're going to come out in fall of 2019 so we're getting a somewhat regular schedule coming back you know i at this point in time and i know renee probably has stuff to to add to the conversation but i was just going to say you know i when i found out chibnall was going to be the showrunner i cringed because Mm -hmm. i don't like his writing i've never liked his writing he has a couple of like good episodes now and then but being the head so so it's been interesting the last this episode and the last episode were written by other people and 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 they, from what I understand, were writers that have never written for Doctor Who before. Right. So that's been interesting going, wow, we're getting this completely brand new talent. I can see where they're pulling inspiration from other yeah. doctors and other... I, I think it's just going to be trial and error while they get their feet, you know? And, and in the meanwhile, it's fun. It may not be the weighty social commentary that it deserves, and I agree they could be braver. Um, I think, unfortunately, for stuff like 
that, we have to keep watching shows like Black Mirror, you know, that make really serious social commentary about things like social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Renee, I'm sorry, we're just talk, chat, chat, chatting. (laughs) You know, I I mean, I I agree with, you know, what what I thought it was going to be was going to be much more, but I had... Even I had a lot more. My issues with it were more nitpicky than the broad scope of things. Like even the bad guy, I thought it was ridiculous. Like everything that we saw from him, dealing with Graham and dealing with that girl and stuff like that. Nothing would. There was no glimpse of you know a fanatic. There was no glimpse of he helped him get all of these things and helped him do all of these things but then wanted to blow, like there was just nothing. It didn't make sense to me that he was the bad guy. And it felt like mm-hmm. they got halfway through and writing it and we're like, oh shit. So wait, what's going to happen? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll I, make it the jam. I have to admit, I had an inkling when they said they gave him a second chance. Like that's, that's, mm-hmm. it's one of those details that they don't put out there unless it's going to be significant, but you're right. I thought it was like really sloppy. Like even remember, uh, oh shoot, let me look. Uh, Ah, uh, poor the guy who got killed, Dan. Poor Dan. Yeah, played yeah. by uh, British uh, comedian Lee Mack, by the way. Who was he? Who, was marvelous. Yeah. Who he killed Dan? Well, was, okay. He obviously, yeah, exactly. And did he not just be wearing a big sign on him as soon as he showed that little locket that his oh, daughter yeah. gave him? Yeah. You're like, kill man will be killed soon. I mean, oh, it was absolutely. just some stuff was just a little too I on the nose. I think it was too retirement too. Yeah, yeah, he probably was. He there was, was a lot too of, old for this shit. I will say this, though. Like, his character... I don't know how familiar you guys are with Lee Mack. In the UK, he's one of the team captains on a comedy panel show called um, Would I Lie to You? He's a stand-up okay. comedian. He did a sitcom called Not Going Out for several years. Um, he's a very funny guy. And I feel like his character... Either he was allowed to ad-lib a lot or the character was written for him because the character... When, yeah. when he was funny, it was very... It was very Lee Mack. Like it was, it was perfect. It was like, like that yeah. role was handcrafted for him, and I loved him. And seeing him die, I was part of me was kind of hoping he would, you know, not be dead and would have been like surreptitiously like tucked away somewhere. Um, yeah, but also with the, with the group loops. But yeah. Nope, but I also, you know, I also feel like if if I were if someone said to me, "Hey, do you want to be in an episode of Doctor Who?" Um, my, I think the first thing I would say was would be can i die before the midway point can i be someone who like to be killed on doctor who like the three the, there are four things i would love to do on doctor who. i'd love to play the doctor never gonna happen i have fibromyalgia i'd love to write for the show could happen you never know maybe one day when i'm 60 um i'd love to uh i'd love to cameo in an episode of doctor who um and die before the midway point or i'd love to play a companion which again is never going to happen because my body is basically dodgy poorly glued together porcelain figure um but like that's oh, yeah. like there are people who, who are like i've always wanted to do a doctor who and you either want to be a monster or you want to be someone who dies before the halfway point and i feel like i, I don't know if if, uh, if lee mac is a, is a fan of doctor who but certainly that's that's a badge of honor he gets to wear like oh, i got to die yeah. in an episode of doctor who. but how did he die i, I think yeah Renee, did Renee the like, robots kill him did it's the, the sa- robots give him the bubble wrap and say here pop this it, i mean it would have been. I mean, the idea is that Charlie was uh, taking was 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 abusing the system to take 
workers away to have them test the bubble wrap to make sure that his his detonation thing had worked properly. And then it was the system itself that took um, uh, Kira away to deliberately hurt yeah. Charlie to make Which Charlie the doctor feel... was fine with apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Also, by the way, can we have a comment? Does is that fridging? Is that because because this is a character, a, a woman character who's been deliberately fridged to make them the this one guy character, the villain of the piece. By the way, mm-hmm. kind of second guess what he's doing. Like the system was like, okay, we're going to fridge this woman so that you have a change of tune, and then that obviously didn't happen because he's an idiot. Yeah. Well, but even <laughs> when he was. Um, okay, so tell me that all the the delivery men that didn't that had to remind everybody of terracotta warriors, right? Like, it was yeah, it definitely felt like the yeah. 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 yeah, okay. So when he's like walking in the middle of them, which a why would you I don't know why you would walk in the middle of them, but um, you know, they're they're about to go off and they're like, Come on, we're so worried about you, even though you just murdered seven people and we're about yeah. to murder thousands and thousands of other people. But Graham was yeah. super worried about getting him out of there, and he was standing there like a dumbass, like, golly gee, what's gonna happen here? Even though I planted all these bombs, it was yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought he wanted to go up with the ship, but yeah, they could have handled it better. But I mean, they mentioned he mentioned he was an expert in cybernetics, which I guess meant he was reprogramming the robots. But if he could yeah. reprogram the robots, why didn't he have some like henchmen? You know, you do, you know, he had seven he, people there. Uh, one of the one of the things, and I'm not sure this is a point that I came up with independently or if I read it on Andrew Ellard's tweet notes because I know that he brought it up too, but I genuinely cannot remember if this is we both thought of it or I just read it and went, Ooh, that's a good point. Like the doctor at the beginning of the episode is like robots are people. That's robophobic. How dare you? But it's totally okay with reprogramming the robots to deliver their bombs to themselves. And then immediately oh, yeah. dead like that's, that is if the doctor genuinely believes robots are people, that is thousands of people. The doctor is just murdered in cold blood. Like yeah. that is, it's like the robophobic joke, which, by the way, some of my best friends are robots. That is the thing your white uncle says when you accuse him of being racist. Like, it's not oh, yeah. great. Um, it was a, it's a bad joke. And it's, it's, again, a lot of this episode is just very bad op- optics. But then yeah. to, have, to have the doctor be like, hey, robots are people, and then be like, let's just kill all the robots. Like, it's... It's, and he didn't it's, have to, you know. They right. it's, it's, stay it's there. not just I, diametrically opposed with the philosophy of Doctor Who itself. It's diametrically opposed with the philosophy the Doctor espouses in this episode. Like right. it's yeah. it's internally inconsistent. So off off topic just a bit. Um, so everybody's brought up really good points, and the more I'm listening to you, the more I'm wondering for myself as a viewer: Am I just distracted by shiny things because <laughs> she gets a fez, and I'm like, "Ooh, fez!" Yes. And and the TARDIS scanner comes on for the first time, and I'm like, "Ooh, oh, yeah. the TARDIS you scanner! Ooh, yeah. you're like the classic TARDIS!" And then she does Venusia and Aikido again. And I'm like, "Ooh, it's like the third time." So. Am I just like completely distracted by every little bone that they throw me as fan service that I'm completely going, wow, this episode is really shit. But be, but I'm I'm seeing all the shiny stuff they're throwing at me, like Twirly. Twirly is the new handles as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I love him. I'm a marketing director. So any if anytime I could get a robot that tries to sell me pillows, just for shits and giggles. I like I want to take I wanted I wanted them to make that the new K9 and put it on their on their TARDIS. So oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I my I think that here's the thing. 
there's nothing wrong with fan service. Like Doctor Who has a, a history of fan service. This episode had a lot of fan servicey moments, which, by the way, a lot of people made the call, made the link between the Eleventh Doctor at the end of the Big Bang, where he wakes up on the TARDIS and his legs brilliant, arms fine, and then he touch, reaches for his head and he goes, "I can buy a fez," and then the, the fez arriving. So it could be he ordered this fez then. Personally, I'm more inclined to believe that the Doctor has like a Kablam wish list, and the system just sent this fez <laughs> to send the help me. Like the system's like, oh, we know you like. Well, fezes. you certainly well, you certainly gave the BBC an idea now. So yeah. <laughs> all they have to do is create a Doctor's wish list on. Yeah. Amazon blam. Listen, and, yeah. I listen. I could make that wish list today and send a link out to people and be like, "This is the doctor's wish list. Send the doctor affairs. Send the doctor a mop. Send the doctor a remote control canine. Send the doctor uh, an Arby's gift card, please, because there's an Arby's near me, and I, 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 I've actually never eaten at Arby's, so it would be really cool. Um, that's for me. Um, <laughs> but I can tell. I can tell our panels love it. Yeah, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. There's Renee and I are furiously yeah. shaking our heads. <laughs> Absolutely not. I've lived here eleven years. I've never done Arby's. I should do it once just so I know I should never mm -hmm. do it again, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I firmly believe I'll try anything. So I read Fifty Shades of Grey, knowing going in it would be bad, because uh, here's the thing: there are people like, oh, well, you can't criticize this book. You haven't read it. Yes, I have. It is a garbage book. I, can, well, I don't know. I, can, I think Arby's is the Fifty Shades of Grey of fast food restaurants. <laughs> so one exactly. thing I wanted to ask um, in this whole thing, you know, ten percent of humans are employed, and you know the workforce is basically all unemployed. Da da da. da. Who the hell's buying all this kerblam shit? And that's the big question. We're looking at, it's not just late stage capitalism, it's, it's posthumous capitalism. It's like, if only 10% of the people can work, if you're at a point now where most of the jobs are automated, people don't need jobs. Capitalism shouldn't be a thing. At that point, it should be people kind of, the kind of the, almost the Star Trek utopia of people kind of bettering themselves for their own betterment or for the betterment of the of the human race. But so even Renee, the people that I, did have jobs were right. barely getting by. They were sending I, money for school. I got the impression that Kerblam was not just for the planet. That yeah, they said galaxies. It. Times. Yeah. it was for, so anybody who was within, I guess, you know, computer distance could order something and they would just teleport. My question is this, now that I'm deconstructing this with you guys, you know, so there was the owner, the owner's daughter is now running things. Where is the money going to? Cause obviously this is a enormous, you know, corporation making tons of money, you know, Wait, we never saw the owner. Did we? We just saw no, two people. No. His daughter, management. his daughter, right. Took Who's over. No, no. And Judy? with the glasses, with the glasses. I don't I think Judy was the owner's daughter. I think no, she, she was head of people. Or the she, founder's daughter. No, no I don't think she was people, the founder's I daughter. I think her her dad had had a similar job, but I don't think it would only oh, was ever okay. state that right there. Because he used oh, to say go organics, but yeah. If we had seen whoever was at the heart of the money, you know, where this huge corporation, people can't have jobs, only 10% of the workforce is human, everything else is automated to save money, obviously. Who is this benefiting? We didn't see any of that. Oh, we only uh, saw. Actually, yeah. I know the answer to that one. It is Space yeah. Jeff Bezos. Okay. 
Space Bezos. I almost didn't mind because one of the things I did like about it is, you know, there was no evil oligarch. It was just the system that was set up and it just been programmed to self-perpetuate and it kept going and kept going. And that was why Charlie was able to get in and muck about with stuff because it was built not to, you know, need humans or, Mm. you know, it it was to go on its own, you know, and which, which. But to your point. Yeah, but to your point, Ben, there was nobody to direct that ire towards yeah. other than this one guy in maintenance. You know, yeah. it, it was like this system is corrupt and supporting people like the yeah. poor guy in maintenance who becomes twisted for what reason? You know, yeah, it, it bugs me. It, this is it's the equivalent of. Uh, imagine like the caves of Androzani, but the doctor's like, you know, I'm going to help that business guy because he really should be, you know, he he needs this yeah. material. Like that's what it felt like. Like it just it, it it the ideology of Doctor Who this season has been bad. It's been incredibly conservative. It's been very um, safe, and, it, and and Chris Chibnall hasn't been willing to take risks, and and kind of to the point that I I was I was trying to make earlier, but kind of got uh, side railed side railed and forgot about um, the first female Doctor deserves better because I don't think yeah. when I say that this season reminds me of Peter Davison's first season, that is that is damning. Like his yeah. first season was not great. Like you look at stories like Enlightenment um, and uh, Logopolis, like these are not strong oh, stories. Um, and and the, these are not strong oh, well, stories. Uh, and wasn't, wasn't Earthshock first season? Earthshock was the tail end of the first season, which is, okay. which is fine, but there's a lot of uh, Peter Davison's first season that just doesn't, it doesn't work. Well, and yeah. the problem, the problem that they had, and I feel like this is the same problem they have now is they've had the same writers, directors, even musicians working on this show now for over 10 years. And this is almost like a, a hard reboot of the show. Yeah. And yeah. just like, just like after the Tom Baker years, they had to do the same thing where it's like everybody's favorite doctor is no longer here. Hey, here's this new guy, you know, with his new pals. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's going to take some time for them to, to find their legs. And I'm willing to be patient. I, I don't I think it will take time. But I also remember that Matt Smith's first season his first episode is the best introduction of a new doctor the show Agreed. has ever done. His yeah, first true. season, like, there are almost, there's no bad episodes in Matt Smith's first season. His first season is, while not flawless, is pretty great start to finish. The only yeah. other season that I think compares in terms of quality is Peter Capaldi's second season, which only has one dud, and that's Sleep No More. Nobody likes that. Um, <laughs> and and I think um, Eccleston's first season, which mm. even though that they were definitely trying that to find their feet. Only. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, to go back to Capaldi, Capaldi's first season, even though it had a lot of the same people, was pretty. I, I don't remember a lot of it. It was pretty uneven. It, 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 but the thing it, about yeah, that messy. The, the thing about Capaldi's first season is we we had it still had a sense of fun. You had episodes like Mummy on the Orient Express and Robots of Sherwood. You had the through line of who is this woman? What is this promised land? And we don't have that. The fun episodes have been things like this, which has been tonally inconsistent, and things like the 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 the, the, the Tuvalu conundrum, which feel which just just felt 
<laughs> toothless and forgettable. And yeah. then we have Arachnids in the UK, which I'm I've warmed to since it aired, but um, still has episode. a still has a lot of yeah. problems. Like this season has been very bleak and disappointing. Mm-hmm. And Jodie Jodie is such a great doctor. She's such a great performer. I love her take on the character, but the writing is not doing her justice. She absolutely deserves better than she is getting. Well, let's actually shift because we should probably start wrapping up. Uh, uh, any more thoughts on the story? Because I want to talk about Jodie's doctor. Well, I just wanted to say that I feel like I loved in the Demons of the Punjab that the it was super beautiful. You know, they filmed in Spain. The music was amazing. Absolutely. And and this episode wasn't. And I feel like they spent all their money on that one. And then uh, they were like, we need to we need a little bit of a cheaper episode. Let's <laughs> do a soundstage that we can run around in 40 times and nobody will t- be able to tell the difference. Yeah, well, I guess so. Although I, I gotta say, I liked a lot of the warehouse scenes. I thought they were shot well. I but love can, warehouse scenes. Yeah, but I, just, but I feel like that were very CG, like there's no the CGI real, budget wasn't there. Mm-hmm. None of the episodes, with the exceptions of some of the moments that we have, they don't necessarily have to be in order because there isn't really a storyline right now. So yeah. this, for all I know, could have been filmed and meant to be the eighth episode. But yeah, they were like, uh, let's move this up so we can save some money and even things out. Well, I kind of want to be a fly on the wall in their planning meetings because (laughs) I'm wondering, I mean, they said they didn't do storyboards, they didn't do anything like that. So I'm like, how how did they plan this season out? Because, yeah, Demons of the Punjab was beautiful and it was like a feast in the middle of an appetizer table with like Ritz crackers and Cheez-Its, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't feel complete it feels like fits and starts and what i would love to see them do in the next season is to really think about that whether it means having a story arc that pulls all the way through all the episodes something that anchors it because that's the problem i feel like this season has there's no anchor maybe they intended for jody to be the anchor but there's too much happening around her for that to be the case I just find I, the stories lack a certain cohesion. If they held together better, I probably yeah. wouldn't mind the lack of a story thing. Although you're right, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind some sort of sense right. that this was leading to something, as opposed to just sort of careening yeah, everywhere. Like, well, right, like Jody is perfect, but she can't. She can't carry a bad story. She's perfect. Right. She's amazing. Right. She, she right. almost gets ever. away with it. You know? Yeah. Like, this well, one, if it was anybody else. One of the things I want to I want to call call to everyone's attention is I want to remind everyone that this season Chris Chibnall he had a writer's room approach to the show, which is maybe more typical of American shows, but with British shows, particularly the way Doctor has been run previously, you have Stephen you would have for example Stephen Moffat as the showrunner, and he would either be looking at scripts or pitches from writers, or he would be assigning an, a, a loose idea to a writer and they would then write it, which is also how yeah. Russell T Davies uh, wrote the show. And Russell T Davies would also do like page one. And rewrites of people's right. scripts and Moffat would occasionally do that too um, Chris Chibnall had a writer's room uh, he, so he had a room full of people some of whom didn't actually get to write for the show this season kind of all throwing ideas in, into the pot case in point the pating from the Saranga conundrum which I'm able to say now because I'm looking at the words <laughs> on the screen um, the, 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 the pating was created by, um, uh, by Tim Price who yeah. worked in the writer's room for season 11 but didn't uh, didn't actually contribute a script. Um, and I think it's interesting that even though we have a writer's room, we've had a writer's room for this season, 
you would think that would make the show seem more cohesive because you've got everyone working together. You've got everyone kind of working on their stories and making it feel part of a larger whole. And instead the show has never felt more disjointed from itself. Like as an approach, the writer's room thing, or at least Chris Chibnall's version of the writer's room thing does not appear to be doing the show any favors. Well, a good writer's room has a good showrunner who can take all the things in and, and shape it into something that seems like a unified whole. This seems very much just anything that seems halfway clever gets thrown in and who cares if it all fits and, oh, that's a good doctor's speech. Who cares if it really matches the episode? Perfect example is the TARDIS. I will complain about this TARDIS until they burn it to the ground and get a new yes. one. They've got these giant pillars of crystals surrounding the TARDIS console that cuts off any action or feeling of space of, to the room that you had with other TARDISes. Everything feels so cramped and claustrophobic. Yeah. And I know that they probably built it going, man, this looks awesome these huge crystals that man this is kick-ass and once they started filming they were like oh Uh-oh. it oh. is the largest cast of new who in the smallest tardis, TARDIS. yeah especially yeah. considering like say what you want whether you liked matt smith and peter capaldi's tardis is 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 is, is, is or not like the idea of like this huge room, these layers, the balconies, the alcove underneath, like the library. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's all great. Like even Matt Smith's first TARDIS, which looked like, you know, a, a design student had had a panic attack at the 11th hour, like still had the sense of like grandeur and majesty. And in fact, part of that is because they, um, it was a redress of the set for the Torchwood hub. So they kind of oh. had to make, they had to work with that frame. If you watch, Watch season five and six again and look at the TARDIS, look at the where the doors are, look at where the stairs lead. You go, oh, that is absolutely the, the, t- that's the TARDIS. That's the TARDIS. See it. Um, but, well, uh, if, that's the case, if that's the case, you would think that Chibnall would have wanted to reuse that. You would think yeah. that, that was my first thought. Like, take the basic architecture of Capaldi's TARDIS, uh, you take the framework and then redesign everything with that so you've still got the size, yeah. scope, you can and still scale. Some crystals and in instead, there. there's room for it. Instead, two weeks after Twice Upon a Time aired, they posted a one-minute video um, to Instagram, to the official BBC uh, Doctor Who Instagram, showing a time-lapse of Capaldi's TARDIS being deconstructed, Uh, being torn down. It was heartbreaking. And to have it replaced with this, this feels... I don't know how big this TARDIS actually is. It feels like the smallest TARDIS set we've had since Eccleston, since, I would argue, since Sylvester McCoy had to crouch over the TARDIS console with a sheet of roundels behind him because they'd already torn down the set for the for the season <laughs> like it just uh, it just and, feels... and i could yeah and i could be completely wrong they, they, they could have built it and started filming and thought it looked awesome but it feels so awkward to me and it yeah. feels like this season where they're coming up with these ideas that sound really cool on paper but once they actually start filming it and acting it they're like it just doesn't yeah. deliver it, well, it it looks like they haven't been storyboarding it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Anyways, but let's shift to Jody, because we all like Jody. And this yeah, is Jody's the first great. episode where Jody got to be heroic. She got to tell some people off. Like I did like that, you know, for once Jody got to be the hero of her own story, which I thought was yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do, do still... yet. first let me get your guys. <laughs> I do still object like the 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 head of uh, processing, the guy with the, the beard and the thinning mm-hmm. hair. Um, who oh, yeah, like, Jarvis. Yeah, yeah he oh, looked like an evil 
evil like Garbage. parallel un- like mirror universe Bill Bailey is what he looked like to me. But um, <laughs> he the the problem. I'm glad someone laughed at that. Uh, <laughs> A but, very young, yeah, like young, like yeah. like early two thousands, like bewilderness era Bill Bailey. Yeah. Like never mind the Buzzcocks, Bill Bailey. Early um, black books, Bill yeah, Bailey, early, yeah, old, like many many black books, absolutely, yeah. like that era. Bill Internet Bailey. era, like yeah, okay, whatever. Those <laughs> <laughs> are on your Game Boys, you're texting, whatever. Um, We're geeking out, yeah. He, he's whatever. Regardless of how he helped the Doctor at the end of the episode, he still bullies Kira at the beginning. And although the Doctor has that kind of headbutt moment with uh, yeah. with him, that's never addressed again later in the episode. It's there's never a point of there's no, the Doctor never at any point says you need to treat your workforce with more respect. He's it's just it's it's gone. She's let it yeah. slide because he's well, been helpful now. He caves though, which is so weird. Like if you really want to stick it to Amazon. You know, if Amazon treats their workers like crap, they don't, you know, just sort of shamble away if you point it out to them, you know? Jarva thinks he can basically treat everyone like crap, and getting told off shouldn't cause him to back down. Yeah. It, it just sort of typified how toothless this whole thing was. Yeah. Also, they, and yet, do you notice after she made the big speech, they had to do the thing where it's like she, she turns her companions and goes, oh, is that okay? And then when she goes out, she says laters, and then she's, then she's like, oh, I'm not doing laters. I'm just going to say bye. It always seems afraid to make her be powerful, and maybe part of that is 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 the reacting to Capaldi, who could be like a little too powerful. But part of me is wondering: is it just you know somebody's there saying, "Oh no no no, Jody can't be too strong because then she won't be likable." Well, I don't know. Does that does that ring true Renee, to you guys? Renee and I probably see eye to eye on this, where if women stand up for ourselves and if we have a strong yeah, opinion exactly. on anything, if we don't end things with exclamation points and smiley faces, we're bitches. Yeah, uh, what do you think, Renee? You're always, you're always or apologizing beforehand. I'm sorry yeah. to bring this up, but. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry to stand up for myself. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry to bother you, but could you please do this thing for me? And and I agree. It does feel at times like Jody is way too worried about what everybody else thinks about what she's yeah. doing. And not to get not to say that I don't love her and love her performance. It's not her, it's the way it's being written. Yeah. Kind, yeah and exactly. and I feel and I feel like it's the same misstep they did with Capaldi when they first yes. brought him on. He was so abrasive and harsh and um made you not root for him because he was literally abusive to his companion making oh, fun yeah. of the way that she looked yeah. and belittling her and you didn't feel compassion or the same anything for him that you felt for doctors before and he struggled to make up for that in following seasons even though the following seasons were yeah. so much better with Jody I feel like yeah with Jody I feel like they have softened her so much where Too she's much. so much yeah, where she's so much of a team player and so worried about what everybody around her thinks that it concerns me. Like, I would love to see her just go balls out. Like, you know what? Absolutely. This is wrong. I know? want, I'm waiting for Jodie's like Zygon inversion moment where she gets to have one of those like big, like defining speeches or gets a full on doctor moment. She's had little doctor moments here and there. Yeah, um, I was about to say, yeah, she has not had a doctor. 
Yeah, I was yeah. about to say she has not had her doctor moment yet. It's yeah. the the problem with and this again, this is not a, this is not a complaint about Jodie. This is absolutely in the writing. This is diet Doctor Who. This is Doctor <laughs> Who with none of the fat, none of the calories, and like or, like other diet beverages, it just doesn't taste the same. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sitting here drinking this diet Doctor Who, wondering, you know, is the store still open so I can go get a case of the real stuff? Like I've got you guys. We're we're recording right now. We've got our webcams on. You guys can see, like, I have a full... I have everything on DVD. I have all of the classic <laughs> stuff. I have all of the modern stuff. And I'm starting to go back to, like... I'm not... A, I, I love David Tennant as the Doctor. I'm not a big fan of his era because I think a, a lot of his stories are just kind of... They're okay. Like, I think that um, Kablam! would be a great, like... 10th Doctor and Donna era story in that it, mm. it suits them kind of, but it's all, it would be one of the more forgettable stories. Um, I've been going back and re-watching some Tenant because I actively miss uh, yeah. what well, we had there. If this, were, and, if this were Doctor and Donna, they wouldn't have let Kerblam off the hook. I think that's been, I feel like every episode I complain slightly about the villains. I just don't think... With maybe the exception of Tim Shaw, you know, was, you know, pretty scary and hardcore. I feel like none of the villains have been what I expect Doctor Who to be. And they've always gotten away. And this happened again this episode. The bad guys keep getting away or not getting enough of what they deserve. Um, Or it's not coming to a conclusion that makes me feel better about what just happened. You have actually made a really good point because thinking about it, the Stinza got away, the ghost monument, what was that? The guy was a hologram or whatever. It doesn't even matter. Um, The the Batang is completely happy and full, like floating out in space. Space racists got blasted into the past. Space racists got got blasted in the past. The, The one bad guy that we've seen, the actual bad guy is the guy holding the mop who turns out to be a secret badass scientist who gets blown up at the end you know it's like yeah, she doesn't gets off scot-free yeah she has yeah. not had an actual antagonist yet and maybe that's what she needs something strong for her to fight against that there yeah. is this is a yeah. real bad guy no redeeming qualities kick his ass and get rid of him i, I mean the demons the demons of the punjab turned out to be Again, again, I hate to say this, but but borrowing from other Doctor Who episodes, this yeah. was the library in Capaldi's final episode. We have people preserving the past and dead people, just oh, like. Testament. Yeah, testament in that. Yeah. And so this is and this is something I was joking about with a friend. Like, if you die in Doctor Who now, there is a line of people who wants to see you. Testimony wants to get your testimony. The the demons of the Punjab want to like stand and watch you die. Um, if you were a Which bad person, tough. yeah. If you were bad, the Tesselector's going to show up and like punish you. And then also Missy gets to download you into a big old hard drive. Like that's four people. And also, um, it's just this i don't mind recycling of ideas if they're good like the idea of the test selector and testimony don't bother me i I, and i even like the idea of the the demons of the punjab but um especially as it's so soon after that christmas special like 
if someone's watching this on Netflix or Amazon Prime or something, there's a there's a seven episode. There's only six episodes between. Sorry, there's only five episodes between Twice Upon a Time with Testimony and Demons of the Punjab with the the. the I can never remember those aliens' name. Um, but the, that, that to, 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 this is the thing. The oh, the names We're in this nerds. season are utterly forget. That's the thing. I'm really good. I I still like I I know Raxacoycephalopatorius. I can say the Mighty Jackafest of the Holy Hats of Jurassic Rex Radifo. I cannot, for the life of me, remember the name of any alien this season, with the well, exception of Tim Shaw, because they made fun of his name fifty thousand times. Here's why, though: the bad guys have not been the bad guys. The bad guy has been the system racism yeah. uh the the partitioning of india you know the the rich guy with the hotel on top of the spiders yeah. like it hasn't been a bad guy it's been wealth and corruption it's it's been ideas that she's been fighting against this entire season which is not a bad idea but you need if someone follow through with it though yeah, like you need, they never you, go after yeah, the system you need someone with core competencies to tackle this stuff and i know a lot i know a lot of people i know some people on this podcast right now we're not big fans of Moffat but you have to hand it to him the these big ideas that Chibnall is kind of you know groping for in the dark they are ideas that Moffat would have been able to wrestle to the ground maybe not in a 100% satisfactory way for the audience but they would have been interesting and they would have had heart and they would have been Doctor Who and we haven't had a lot of Doctor Who this season. The phrase tilting at windmills comes to mind <laughs> this season. When I yeah. think about Jodie, like she's just fighting the good fight against these huge things that are completely out of her control even as the Doctor and it's like, do we really want to throw her into that in her first do you know what like, a lot of it feels yes, like? But she, she doesn't tilt at the windmills, though. Like, it's, she doesn't tackle Kerblam. She doesn't tackle the... Yeah. I mean, she it, can't tackle Rosa. She doesn't tackle the hologram douchebag. Some of it feels like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, there's that famous... Uh, there's an episode... I'm not a big fan of the Big Bang Theory, but there's that episode yeah. of the Big Bang Theory where someone points out to Sheldon that Indiana Jones has zero impact on the plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> And I kind of feel that a little bit with Jodie's doctor. Yeah, like that's a good point. Like <laughs> Jodie's presence doesn't doesn't change things. In I want to say maybe half of the episodes that we've seen, if they never went back in time in Demons of the Punjab, events would have played out more or less as they played out. Um, the point. only the only episodes that really feel like uh, um, uh, Arachnids in the UK feels exactly the same. The solution was to shut the spiders in a cupboard and let the big one die. Um, like, I feel like half of the stories we've had so far, the, the, the doctor has no real bearing on the plot. And considering what we learned in the doctor's wife, that the TARDIS takes the doctor where they need to go. What, <laughs> what is, why is she, what I, I think it's like, it's like those episodes of Quantum Leap where Al's like, uh, Ziggy says you've got an 80% chance of leaping if you eat like a ham and tuna sandwich. And then Sam's eating the sandwich and he's like, okay, so why haven't I leapt yet? And Al's like, oh no, sorry, you've got to prevent the assassination of the French ambassador. Oops, Butterfingers. Like, that's what it feels yeah. like. Like, like the TARDIS is like, here's a problem. And Jody's found the wrong problem. Fix that. And they get in the TARDIS and go. And the TARDIS is like, but, but there are Sontarans setting up base in the warehouse because or, you know what? It's fine. I ate your sandwich. Come on. Or, or the solution is to make sure nothing changes. Like this yeah. has happened twice now where she's gone back in time yeah. and it's literally uh, back to the future where it's like, Oh, we got to make sure you don't disappear. Yeah. So your grandma has to get married, you know, or Rosa has to sit on the bus. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been twice now where 
Jody's job is to make sure that stuff doesn't change, not that things yeah. do and, change. And I want to—I do want to stress, like I—I've I, complained a little bit about Rosa and Demons of the Punjab. Those are clear; those are the two strongest episodes of the season. And I mm-hmm. like those are like for me solid eight out of tens, nine out of tens. They are phenomenal episodes, but they are pulled down by the fact that the quote-unquote fun episodes around them haven't been fun. They've been incredibly I'm about to say the word problematic and I don't mean that in a social justice sense although I have definitely used it in that sense before I'm not against that I mean problematic in the sense of what Doctor Who is and what it should be I've said on this this show before Doctor Who right now has been boring and that is a terrifying thing for a Doctor Who fan especially if you know the history of what happened to Doctor Who in the 80s and why it got cancelled like I right now I feel like we are we are nosediving towards the, the the rocks of Cancellation Bay and it's going to take a lot of effort on the part of Chibnall or someone else to pull up so that we don't hit those rocks and lose the show again. I know that's kind of a bleak assessment, but it terrifies me. Mm. It's weird, though. It's doing really well in the ratings, which I'm yeah. very happy about. It's just... Yeah. And I read a lot of buzz on the internet. It seems people are really liking this show and, like, it's so funny. I came into this thinking I get to celebrate this great era of the show and there's been good stuff, and I've, I've loved giving credit where credit's due, especially to Jody and the cast. But like, I keep being that one curmudgeon who's like, you know, <laughs> uh, point of order. This this story doesn't actually make sense, and and the moral is completely weird and opposite of what it should be. Well, I will say, as somebody who runs a fan club, I am seeing in the last week I've had ten people sign up for my group. Mm, so wow. I I think that. It's lighting a fire that we haven't had for a while on under the fandom. I'm really curious to see the turnout at Gallifrey One this year. Yeah. That's usually yeah. a bell that's usually a bellwether for like what's going on with the fandom. It feels mm-hmm. like it's kind of declined over the last couple of years. And you know, just the fact that we have a new doctor and a new female doctor could be enough to just reinvigorate things mm-hmm. as far as the fandom goes. Um, and, and we could be looking at a whole new generation of brand new viewers, people who have never been interested in the show until now. So, yeah, yeah it, it'll be oh. interesting for sure to see what happens. Oh, my God. Is the Jody Doctor Who, is it the Star Wars prequels of the Doctor universe? God, I hate this. Do not no. say that. No. Never. It brought in this whole new generation. Kids love them prequels. How dare you? And if anything, McGregor was really good. If anything is the the Star Wars prequels, it's actually Eccleston's season, and I don't mean that to disparage Eccleston's season, but how many people their first introduction to Doctor Who was Eccleston or Tennant? There's your, there's your Phantom Menace. There's your Attack of the Clones. Except they're good. They're good. They're yeah. good seasons. Yeah. yeah except for the except for the one fundamental thing, it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, I should wrap up. Uh, so next week we got oh. I, I'm always the optimist. Next week we have our first historical that is not based on a recent historical tragedy. It's a, it's a, and we get Alan Cumming as King James, yeah, the excited. first of England, sixth of Scotland. Yeah, doesn't and, it look bleak though? Like we've only seen like four seconds of footage, but witches being drowned and burned at the start. Like again. Um, Andrew Ellard, I'm gonna I'm gonna point this stuff again. And by the way, do do follow him on Twitter because his tweet notes are great. Okay. Um, uh, he said that Chris Chibnall's big vice is like seriousness and like 
stern tone and that that is permeated this season of the show that's one of the reasons why i feel like this season of doctor who has lost its joy it's one of the reasons why even though this episode is like kablam was like ideologically against what doctor who is i will still drink at that well of toilet water because (laughs) it's the closest thing we've had yeah to it's Oh, I was just going to say quickly, I was going to say quickly, I mean, it's another non-Chibnall episode. So hope springs eternal, even if they're drowning witches. And and how critical are we maybe just because we're like longtime Whovians where other newer viewers maybe are like, oh, this is so cool. And we're super, you know, critical. Yeah. I don't know. I just. That's so that's so amazing. I just, I remember how, I remember how uneven the first season of Torchwood was, and that was under under Chibnall's stewardship. Those first two seasons of Torchwood were, there were some really good episodes. You had stuff like Ghost in the Machine um, and Countryside, and then you had bad episodes like uh, Day One and Cyber Woman. Cyber Woman. Like, coming soon from from the writer of Cyber Woman, it's season 11 of Doctor Who. Like, that's... It's like, hey, we put a woman in a bikini and had her fight a pterodactyl with hot sauce. Like, <laughs> and now Doctor uh, Who, like, only on BBC. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's An a nightmare. Career. Yeah, yeah I, it, I, I do hope. It's just weird. These these episodes, these last two struck me as very chimney, you know? They, they seem, and, you know, the head writer will often take a pass on the scripts. But I don't know. We have Alan coming. We have uh, witches. We'll, we'll, we'll have our fingers crossed. Anyways, closing thoughts before we sign off. Nothing right. big. I'm excited. Always yes. for yes. next week. Yes. For at least for a week I get to look forward to it. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry to buzz. And it's and it's and it's Thanksgiving weekend for us too. So we can do uh why we're thankful next yeah. week. Yeah, we're thankful it's on. It's got a new audience, you know. This yeah. is and she's great, you know. We're thankful. Oh, the cast is great. Oh, Bradley Walsh. This was an oddly uh, Graham light episode. I thought. Yeah. I, I kind of like. I mean, he was still great when he was on. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to see uh, Ryan and Yaz in particular get to do. Yeah, the- Yaz got some stuff. She yeah. didn't get to do a cop grab on somebody, but then she let him go. So she's kind <laughs> of a cop, but not a very good cop, I guess. I don't know. I felt a, I felt a little bad for her this this episode because you could kind of see Ryan has Graham. She doesn't have a family. And that's why at the very end she was like, I want to take this back to his family, his mm-hmm. daughter. And and I my heart went out to her this episode because there were certain moments where you're like, oh, she she might be feeling really alone and like missing yeah. her family right now. It'll be interesting yeah, to sure. see if that plays into the rest of the season. Yeah, that's yeah. But we did get some good Yaz moments, but uh, yes. that's true. They've been kind of rare because yeah, Ryan is Graham, Grandma's Ryan. Yeah, it'd be great if like she became BFFs with the Doctor, but I don't know if that's totally right. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, until next week, this has been Pull to Open, a Doctor Who podcast. Thanks for listening. Check out our other podcasts on iTunes and all podcast apps, and check out our site, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for our articles, videos, and more. You can stay updated from our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch. So come and join the gathering. Have a great week and GGG.